welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to SED. Today, my guest is interior designer Marilyn Damore, co-owner of the design-build firm Damore Drake and wearer of many, many hats. In addition to design work, Marilyn is the host of a weekly radio show called Marilyn by Design, and she's also the founder of the Kingston Design Connection, an organization that connects makers, vendors, and contractors to each other and to potential clients. The Design Connection also produces the Kingston Design Showhouse. The 2021 Showhouse opens on October 8th, and is open every weekend through October 24th. This, by the way, is its fourth year. Marilyn and I had communicated via email for a while, and I was really happy to finally meet her and record our podcast by Zoom. Her energy is contagious. She has great wisdom from her days in corporate America, and I have so much admiration for all she has created. It's my pleasure to introduce to you, Marilyn Damore. I always like to know, of course, just how you arrived at design um, when you had this big corporate career and then we're like, okay, I'm going to go to school at Parsons. So where, what happened there? Um, so that's all due to my having, uh, buying my first house. So I grew up um, partly in Haiti, partly in New York City. And in New York City, I always had tiny studio apartments. Um, And if you know kind of apartment living, we weren't even able to paint the walls, right? It had to be plain white. So there's not much. And plus, people don't live in their tiny little apartments in New York City. Um, And then about 15 years ago, um, while I still was renting in the city, I bought a weekend house in Kingston, which is where I live now, which is where the show house is. And that house um, was like a three bedroom, I I don't know, maybe 1500 square foot house. And I had to outfit it, right? Like I had to buy curtains, I had to buy furniture. I didn't know anything. I had had walls I could paint. Um, So yeah, so I just basically started watching HGTV, buying design magazines, and then it quickly, very quickly turned into sort of an obsession. Um, And so the house actually got me into interior design, but also I sold the house, which funded my going back to school. So I had that house for about five years. And during that five-year time frame was when I realized that that was something I was enjoying doing. Um, and I was kind of waffling because like you're saying, you know, I'd had a career. I was a you know director at Accenture, um, you know, um, pretty big job, six figures, the whole thing. So I was waffling back and forth, um, you know, didn't really know what I was going to do, whether I, whether I could actually make that shift. And then the earthquake happened in Haiti in 2010. Um, And that was my last big push because, you know, I have a lot of family members who are doctors and architects who were going back. And I was a marketing PR crisis management executive. 
And it was very clear to me that if I wanted to do something to help, what was needed was design and architecture. And so that, so I, so I think the earthquake was January of 2010. I, I enrolled in September of 2010 at Parsons. So that was kind of like my last thing. Um, and then I wound up actually doing um, a design restoration job in Haiti while I was at school. So it kind of, kind of came a little bit full circle. Your business partner is your life partner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the name of the, yeah. So it's Demore Drake. I'm Marilyn Demore and he's Fred Drake. Okay. Yes. So we run the company together. Right. Okay. So, and I heard on a podcast that you met him at a bar, right? I did in Kingston. Yes. Yep. Yep. So I just want to know a little bit about, you know, did, um, so you met him at a bar, but then like you, were you going out? Did love come first? Did work come first? Um, work because I actually, when I met him, it was around Halloween. And I remember this only because I had just closed on the house. So I met him, you know, sometime in October. And then by December, I was already back in the city because I had my closing. So um, I didn't know him for very long, um, but we kept in touch and, you know, we were kind of seeing, but not really, you know, because we, like, we'd only know each other for a few months. So that could have been a very easy see you later. Right. But then I had a couple of projects. I had um, two Brooklyn projects. So I had three projects in total while I was at Parsons. And um, he is a house builder. Fred's been building houses up here from the ground up in the Hudson Valley for like 15 plus years. And the first project, in fact, both projects wound up being sort of a big kind of loft renovation where we're taking down walls, adding walls, you know, building new custom kitchens and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, like I have the perfect person because he's the one contractor who can do, you know, the carpentry, you know, the cabinetry as well as the walls. Right. Um, Because he kind of has done everything. Um, And so I hired him to come down and he worked with me on those two projects. And this was way before we had a company. Um, and then, you know, then that started kind of our relationship. And then when I finished Parsons, um, and it's just because it's my second career, the idea of sort of going to a company, you know, like a design build firm or something and sort of working up the ladder, um, would have just taken me too long, you know? And, and I just, as a, you know, if I were 20, I would have done it. Um, but as, as a second career, I was like, you know what, I just need to have my own business, um, and then very quickly realized that, ha, Manhattan, that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> so um, then I thought about, you know, so between wanting my own business and then having this growing relationship with Fred, and he lives here in the Hudson Valley. So those two things kind of came together. And so as part of my moving up, I approached him and I said, hey, you know how you do construction work and I do interior design? I said, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but no matter how big the houses you're building, the finishes are double the cost, double the budget. And so there's a whole pile of money that you that, that you could be keeping if you're also doing the interiors. And so I kind of convinced him. And so we kind of brought those two pieces together. So I want to know as I mean, yes, I guess through your corporate job, you were well connected to people and you seem like a social person. But how you're a student at Parsons, you just started studying design. How do you get all these jobs? Like, how, what were, you know, what were those about? Um, so the funny thing is, while I got like, you know, the three jobs that I got at Parsons, um, one of them happened because I lived in the building and somebody who lived upstairs from me had seen my apartment and it hired me. And then the Haiti thing happened because that was the reason why I went. One of the reasons why, why I went to Parsons was to be able to go back to Haiti and help rebuild. And at some point, you know, while I was there over the course of the four years that I was there, 
there was a professor who had taught at Parsons, who was an architect, had gone back to Haiti and opened up a practice. And so he came as part of a panel discussion. And so I stayed in touch with him and I bugged him for like a year and a half, just Every time I did any little thing at school, I'd say, oh, here's a mood board I did, or I did these, these models for this class, right? I would just kept emailing him. And then one day he emailed me and he said, hey, you know, there's this cathedral in Haiti from the you know, late 1700s and, um, you know, built out of like limestone, very kind of fortified, like rocks that are this big. So the structure was in pretty good shape, but everything in the interior, all the stained glass blew out all the flooring buckled up, all the furniture was gone. So it was just a shell. And he said, you know, is this something you could do? And part of me was like, well, I'm in school. You know that. That's an odd question. But of course I said, yes. I was like, absolutely. I said, you know what? I'm Catholic. I know a lot about Catholic churches, but, you know, there's a particular kind of style of decoration that you have to have, you know, in Catholic churches, especially in a cathedral, it's kind of mandated. So I kind of grew up without it. I was like, oh yeah, I can totally do that. Um, so those jobs happen while in school. And you would think that would keep going, right? But that did not happen. Um, you know, after school, um, I moved up to Kingston pretty much right away. Like it was a matter of a few months, I think. It wasn't even a year. And so I bought into Fred's company. And on the construction side, construction has been going in the Hudson Valley forever. And now it's experiencing one of the biggest booms it's ever had, right? Um, but interior design is much more sought after. When I first moved up here, there wasn't a lot of people asking for interior design. Um, you know, people would pick their own finishes if they would, you know, build their own houses, you know, that kind of thing. And there's been a growing sort of evolution. So I moved up here in 2016 after school, did not get a design project for the first two years that I was here. Um, even though I was part of a design build firm, because even though Fred's building houses, people are not hiring me to do the interiors because they're just not used to kind of thinking holistically that way, you know, because it's just a different market. Mm -hmm. um, and so while he was getting projects all over the place, I was getting nothing. So the first year I did nothing. Um, and then the second year I was like, well, this is insane. Like, you know, I've been hearing like everybody else has the Hudson Valley is rich with designers and blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't find anybody. And as an interior designer, if I don't know landscape designer, if I don't know makers, if I don't know wallpaper hangers, I can't work. And Fred doesn't know any of those people because he doesn't do interiors. So that's how the show house came about. So I spent, you know, 2016 building a vegetable garden at home and learning how to be a country girl because I couldn't find work. And then I got really proactive in 2017. I said, you know what? I'm a business consultant. This is what I've done all my life. There's clearly something here, meaning there's a whole bunch of people in the creative community, but nobody's working together. And so I embarked on basically a year-long kind of self-imposed research project where I would go to, I mean, I must have spoken to hundreds, at least 150 people, you know, that year during research, went to all these design events, traveled across the Hudson Valley, um, I actually learned how to drive because growing up in the city, I'd never had a license. Like none of my friends still have licenses to this day, but that driving around was kind of like my training. And I was surprised because everybody kept saying the same thing, which is, oh my gosh, you know, I've been living up here for 10 plus years. I don't know anybody. I work by myself or interior designers would tell me, oh yeah, I do lots of work up here, but I will source contractors from the city or I'll source furniture or fabrics from the city. And I was like, oh, wow, like it's not just me. Like there's an actual mechanism. There's something missing. Right. Um, and so that research led me to 
developing the Kingston Design Show House because I felt that a show house was a tried and true kind of mechanism, right? They've been around for 100 plus years where the whole point is to bring together everybody in the design build industry. And you're not just networking and telling me who you are and what you do. I'm physically working with you. So I'm building business relationships. I'm building artistic relationships because we create custom pieces, you know, with various makers. Um, so I did the first show house in 2018. It was meant to be a one-time event. Um, you know, my kind of the way that I described it to everybody was that I, I was doing this one-off independent art project because it wasn't tied to my company. It was just this thing that I was doing to try and figure out how I was going to sort of find my place, right? And, and meet people. Um, so I did it for a year. And then um, two things happened. One is, you know, we had like 450 attendees, which was insane um, for, you know, a mechanism that people like did not understand, had not seen in a lot of, you know, instances. You're, you're a communicator, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a marketing PR person. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, so, you know, I had marketing plans, PR plan. I had the whole, you know, in fact, the funniest thing was that I put together like a 20 page PowerPoint presentation, you know, kind of outlining what this was. And I could never get through it because most people I would talk to was like, what is that? you know, what is this a slide? Like, what is this thing? And I was like, okay, forget about that. <laughs> right. So I had to learn to communicate in a very different way. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, we had a bunch of attendees the first year, which then led a bunch of participants who hadn't participated to be like, oh, when's the next one? Um, and then we didn't have a lot of money for, for PR. Um, but Andrew Joseph, um, who you know very well, who owns a PR firm in the city, donated to services the first year. Um, and so after the show house ended, that's when all the press started happening. So then it kind of has had a life of its own. So we're doing our fourth year this year. Yeah. Yeah. So um, had you ever participated? Well, you were so young in the business, so you hadn't participated in a show house. So you created one and that was your first. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I had never, you know, volunteered or helped organize a show house, but I did a ton of research um, and I, you know, it's interesting. I did a ton of research and the majority of the way that show houses run around the country is the exact opposite of the way that I run the show house because I was really addressing a very specific, you know, kind of market sort of issue that was happening here that was very specific. Right. And so, for example, there is a design brief ever since 2018 that interior designers, though they can do whatever they want, they have to feature a Hudson Valley designer in some way, you know, meaning that as soon as you walk in the room, you know, that's a maker that's being featured. And what that has led into every year is that every year, interior designers and fine artists, interior designers and makers, interior designers um, and textile designers come together and they create custom pieces. And so lots of new sort of work and products have come out of the show house. And that's very intentional. I did that because otherwise they wouldn't have had a reason to, to work together and talk to each other. They would have just borrowed pieces. That would have been the end of it. So there's lots of things that I've done in the organizing of it that speaks to what I was trying to do in terms of connecting people up here that's different than other show houses. Right. And um, in your first one, was there a beneficiary like there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I definitely picked up um, that I said, okay, this is something that I'm going to do. So we've always had a nonprofit partner since the beginning. So we've always chosen um, a local um, nonprofit in the Hudson Valley area. And we did that um, all three years. This year, we're doing something slightly different. 
um, because I'm always sort of thinking about how to tie because, you know, a lot of that, a lot of what I, you know, obviously I love show houses. The one thing that I don't like about show houses in general is because I come from an economic development background and a business development background. The idea of creating all this lovely stuff and then it disappears, Wait, but it also, but it also has no impact on the community around it where the house is, right? So those two things I wanted to address because as an interior designer, I could never like see this beautiful work that this designer has created and then be like, okay, now it's got to go. Like that would break my heart. So we've always used actual people's homes since the very beginning because that's a way to ensure that those designs live on. But it's also a way to provide design to a level of the population, you know, the socioeconomic population who would never be exposed and not be able to afford that. So I love that we can do that. Um, so we've always done that. And then this year, we're kind of taking that up a notch because, you know, instead of one individual, um, this year we're working with a nonprofit called the Kingston City Land Bank. And so um, they've been around for a couple of years and they were formed specifically because as kind of long-term residents and low-income residents have been priced out of Kingston, you know, because we're experiencing a huge wave of people from everywhere. Um, you know, so those long-term neighborhoods are going away. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people can't afford no longer afford the property taxes, right? So a lot of people are having to leave their homes or they're getting foreclosed or whatnot. And so these homes are sitting there just distressed forever. And so the land bank got a grant. And I found out about the land bank two years ago that this organization was formed. They had a grant through which they were going to take like, you know, a dozen more, I think it's, it's like maybe two dozen houses, and they were going to rehab them and then put them back on the market, but way below market value. And I was like, oh my God, this is the bigger community impact piece. So this year, um, we're so excited to work with them because what that means is we chose one of their houses as in their portfolio. We get to save them their entire interiors you know, budget, give them a higher quality of interiors. Now they get to roll on to the next house a lot sooner and they have more money, which means hopefully you know, they can kind of address the situation in a faster time frame you know, as people are getting pushed out. So it's kind of like the next level of that community engagement. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's very, very cool. Like how, so, so now for, this is your fourth year coming this is up. The fourth year, yeah. So what, I mean, you know, you said like one thing you don't like about show houses, but for people that think, oh, you know, I live in a small community or, you know, a, a niche community, not mm -hmm. a giant city. Um, and I think that we have a lot of artists and creatives. Oh, I want to do what Marilyn did. You know, what, what have you learned that um, you would say, like, yeah, what have you learned? That you yeah, I mean, I've actually had a couple of different um, towns in like Connecticut and Rhode Island who've reached out to me, um, kind of the business commerce centers who have asked that very question, which is, you know, can we use the show house concept as a way to revitalize sort of the town centers, right? Um, you know, that's not the reason why I did it, because as you very well know, the designers and makers up here get amazing press. They do beautiful work. They never needed me to kind of get their name out there. It was the connecting piece that wasn't happening. Right. And that's what I was addressing. But overall, really, it's, you know, to be able to have a show house wherever, if that's the concept, there has to be some kind of re renewable resources. And the two big ones are the creative community. Right. You have to have a healthy enough body of creative folks because then because otherwise, you know, that's that piece is going to kind of peter out. 
And then you have to have, you know, some pretty good, ar- good architectural stock because you need certain types of houses that lend themselves to a show house. Um, you know, one of the things that I love to do, because a lot of people um, think that show houses and a lot of show houses, you know, inhabit the big, huge 6,000 square foot houses, right? You know, we've done the big, huge houses. We've done very small Victorians. You know, I love the fact that, you know, we're trying to not just be aspirational, but also show at various segments of the, you know, what people can do with different size homes. I think that's also important that a show house can share that. So, so it doesn't have to be the big, huge mansion type things, but to have architectural interest in a house is highly important because the designers are not kind of doing the exterior of the house. You know what I mean? Right. So you need something, you know, that's got the curb appeal already happening. Yeah. Hey listeners, it's Jane Dagmy, editor-in-chief of Designers Today. I'm so glad you found our podcast. Did you also know that we print our magazine eight times a year and mail it to your home or office? Yes, interior design professionals can request a complimentary subscription by simply going to designerstoday.com and clicking on the button at the top that says subscribe. It's that simple. And while you're there, if you hit the newsletter tab, you can sign up for our weekly news as well as that of our sister publications. And now back to our show. So, and the other thing is that I love is that you do mix up the, you know, it's not all designers, it's different creatives to just kind of get a really great diverse point of view, diverse points of view, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that's something that I did that that is also very different from most show houses because show houses, as people know, it's really to showcase interior designers work. And it's always kind of established, more established interior designers that get chosen to do the big design show houses. So so I do the exact opposite of both those things, (laughs) right? We always have, you know, established interior designers, of course, but from the very beginning, I've always left one or two spots for more junior designers. Because to me, you know, the point of the show house is to have a unique perspective that you're showcasing in a space. And it can't be what people are used to seeing all the time. You know, we're so inundated with design. So we're looking for that unique perspective. And that doesn't come with years of experience. You either have the vision or you don't. And with the junior designers, you know, they always get really nervous when we pick them and we say, look, we are going to handhold you through the process, right? Whatever it is, can you know how to do a mood board? Do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? We will help you do the technical stuff. But what you have that we cannot teach you is you have the vision, you have that unique perspective. So we've always done that. And that's been great because it's a nice launching pad for a lot of junior designers. And it's been great to see that happen for them. Um, the other thing is the mix of creatives. And I think um, that's just because that's just where I come from. You know, I am an interior designer, but I used to be a chef. I was an actress. I was a model. You know, I did a whole bunch of stuff. I'm actually a writer. That's the only thing I've ever been paid to do outside of interior design all my life. Um, So just because that's just where I came from to me, you know, the word creative is very broad. And so we've had graphic designers, set designers, um, product designers that have been in the show house taking over room as interior designers. Because the fact is, we're dealing with scale and color and texture and dimensions, right? But we're looking at it from our different lens. And I think it's interesting to see how creatives interpret spaces and why not show that in the show house. Definitely. I mean, I've been to like, you know, people, people's homes that aren't designers yeah. and they have like, I, I want to move in. You know, they have a great yeah. point of view. They have great taste. And 
Yeah. Well, you know, magazines have known this for years, right? I mean, every magazine I know always has an issue, you know, the artist issue, right? Because people want to see how creative folks live because we know that they're creative about everything in their life, right? Yeah. yeah. Before I did this job where I'm featuring designers work, I did, I worked for Country Living Magazine and most of the people whose homes I focused on were, you know, they, they weren't designers, they were collectors maybe, but they were they could have been a nurse or they could have, you yeah. know, it wasn't yeah. necessarily yeah. I mean, a lot of shop owners, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I have to tell you, I've had some funny conversations with people who were not trained as interior designers, but who've been, but just because of their personal aesthetic, who've been an amazing magazine, like the world of interiors, for example. And they're like, no, I cannot do the show house of an interior designer. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, look at the press you've gotten for your home and you aren't even trying to impress anybody. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but every year, you know, we get some folks who are like, eh, I don't know. But yeah, but it's great to have all those folks in the mix for sure. How many people applied this year to do a room? We had about 65 people this year apply. Um, last year, for the first time, we had people across the country apply. Um, you know, we started out as 100% had value participant because that was the goal. Um, but I love the fact because as interior designers, we can travel anywhere for work. So I love the fact that we can start connecting our interior designers to other interior designers. Um, so that way, when they start looking for their field for work, then they have those connections established, you know? And are they still connecting to the um, locally made product though? Are they still, there's that sort of... Yeah, yeah. I saw that you, I haven't listened to the um, radio show, but I love Dana from DBO. Yes. Like, oh my God. Hasn't she had the most interesting life on the planet? Yeah. I don't know her that well, Ugh. but I would see her at shows. And oh, we'd, right. We'd, I mean, it's been a really long time. I think the AD show in like, uh, or New York now, but years right. ago. So, but yeah, but she has a great past life. You know, I started this, so I have a, ra- a weekly radio show and I started it um, partly because, you know, I used to roam around and visit all these makers in their studios because that, that's how I, I did my research. Right. And I found out very quickly that there are some interesting folks up here. Like Dana, for example, was a huge exec at Arista Records, you know, like hung out with like rock stars, like big name people, Um, you know, and now she has her own company and she's a maker. But like these backstories are so fascinating to me. People have had all these like different things. Um, So I love exploring that. It's like pedaling out of the big cities. You know, I was wondering like, you know, you've been in Kingston now since 16 or? Yeah, since 2016. So do you know, like, um, well, it's grown since you've been there. So it's a whole, when I first moved up here, I have to tell you, I was like, I mean, I'm not a crier, but if I were, I would have been crying every day because there were no ethnic foods that I could find. Um, no diversity whatsoever in terms of different types of people up here. And I was like, what the heck did I just do to myself? But I got to tell you, it's a whole different story now. Everything's different. Yeah. Everything's different. Do you feel like in any way, um, you know, you've been um, one of those points of like one magnet in a community that's just kind of bringing people's attention to the area? Um, Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, you know, I've become a little bit of a clearinghouse of information um, just because, you know, when you know how show houses run every year, we have maybe a couple of hundred participants, right, between the contractors and the designers. So coming into year four, you know, we have a growing network. So, you know, I've had magazines call me who are looking to do features on various makers. And they're like, hey, can you help us find like five different furniture designers? Um, I've gotten lots of DMs over the years um, 
from just individuals who are looking to move and are wanting to know, should they make the move or where should they move to, you know, and sort of asking me kind of real estate questions about the area. So, yeah, yeah. In terms of like all this sort of collaboration and creation of uh, these sort of bringing people together, do you still like, are you able to do many interior design projects? <laughs> Is your business changing a little bit? Um, the business has grown to do more interior designs. So, and that's happened across the board for all interior designers, I know, because the demand for interior design has gone to another level because there are people moving in who have that history of buying interior design. Right. So they're coming in with that. And then there are the people who live here who have been buying more and more interior design. So there's become a lot of more of that work happening. Um, so, so, you know, the show house has done that job for me, like it's done for all the other participants where I now have an interior design practice um, and we do a fair amount of work. Um, yeah. The show house is a, I keep, I always call it like the beast that I'm feeding, right. Cause it keeps growing, but my day job, you know, which I want to keep, I want to be an interior designer. Right. Um, you know, the show house is something that, you know, we just incorporated this year and, you know, we have a great board of advisors and a team that works with me, uh, mostly volunteer, but we're going to be a nonprofit shortly. So hopefully we'll get some paid help. So I'm trying to kind of balance that into my life. I haven't really figured that out yet. And then what would be your position in that nonprofit? No idea. I mean, right now I'm the founder, right, of Kingston Design Connection, which is the organization that does the show house. Um, the show house is a once a year thing, but but throughout the year we do a number of pop up design events, all sorts of things, um, you know, panel discussions, whatever. Um, so there's you know there's a fair amount of activity that happens all year round, and the show house of course takes everything over for like four months. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, right now you know I've been the main organizer for the past couple of years. This year I have a strategy and development team. Thank goodness of these amazing designers who are all past participants. Um, so that connection thing is still happening, which is great. And so they've stepped in. So now I have somebody who, you know, focuses on long-term strategy, somebody who focuses on community relationship development. Um, so I'm not having to do all of that constantly. Yeah. So it's been great. I've given me a little bit of a, a breather space to do more client work. <laughs> I have a PR background. It was my first. Ah, I didn't know that. It was my first job in an office when I arrived in New York. And I think that having the ability to write and PR laid such an amazing foundation for asking for things or how to treat people, yeah. how to write an email. I'd love to just hear a little bit about your experience in PR and marketing and how that has influenced or where you find it comes in, you know, yeah. in your present. Yeah. You know, PR and marketing and all that stuff, at the end of the day, what it is, is communication, right? Which is the written word for the most part is how you're communicating all that stuff, whether it's an ad campaign or something else or a copy on TV. Um, you know, I was always, when I went to college, had lots of different interests. At the end of the day, I became a literature major because it occurred to me that no matter what I was studying, that foundation of being able to communicate and analyze would be fundamental. It doesn't matter. If you're a scientist, guess what? You still have to communicate in the written word, right? Um, and, and that's kind of like, you know, I'm kind of taking it a step back because that's the same thing with marketing and PR. It's just a different form of communicating. And I feel like, especially as we're talking about social media, you know, we have actually gone back more to the written word, right? People have been saying forever the written word was dead. Well, guess what? Social media has made the written word the form of number one form of communication between text and Instagram and Facebook. We don't call each other anymore. So it's more important than ever that you know how to write 
because as people find out when they write badly worded emails, things can be taken the wrong way, right? And so, you know, not just in business in terms of kind of, you know, written communications, but extending that to kind of understanding, okay, this is who I am, this is my product. How do I describe it? Right? How do I describe it in a way that you understand it? Because the way I describe it to myself may not be the way that you need to hear it to get the same message, right? And so that analysis and understanding of your customer, you know, all of that stuff has become way more important these days. You know, we've it's so funny that I feel like as people read less and less and write less and less, the more important <laughs> the written communication has become, right? It's really interesting to see that. And it's it's really um, it becomes blaringly obvious when people can't put a sentence together, you know, and it's um, yeah, I'm just discovered that my daughter can actually write, which has been the best thing. It's like I used to help her so much in school and like she's turned into a great writer and I don't I don't like help her hardly at all. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and all the podcasts, you know, like that's a growing format, you know, because written communication blends into you know, the spoken word. And can you, as you're talking, formulate a sentence, formulate a thought that makes sense? Yeah, I prefer writing to speaking, but um, I, I like having that extra time to gather my thoughts. Um, but you're a really good, I mean, storytelling is where it's at. I think that's, you know, you wanted to be, you said you wanted to be Barbara Walters. Now you have yes. a podcast. Like yes. you are definitely um, love, I think, telling that and, and creating one right now in your in your hometown you know yeah yeah you know it's funny you know because people are, are are so interesting right and and what i find interesting about me is that though i'm an introvert though the last thing i want to do is like talk to you about anything the fact is i am so interested in what make pe- what makes other people tick right and that's why i love the radio show because it's literally an hour talk show of me interviewing people because i really want to understand the thread of why you are who you are but the last thing I want is to have, you know, that reflected back of me to be asked those questions. Yeah. These days, I'm imagining it's crazy. Three weeks away from opening almost or four weeks. Oh God. I haven't counted. Are you telling me it's three weeks? Yeah. <laughs> three to four weeks. But oh, we're, yeah, we're opening October 8th. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how's it go? Just in general, how is this one going? Are you feeling like uh, it's do you always feel like it's not on schedule? Do you feel like it's on schedule? Where do you? Um, It is never on schedule. It's exactly like every client design project, right? (laughs) Nothing is ever on schedule. Um, The good thing, though, is that every year the designers, you know, I've never participated in another show house, so I don't really know how it works. But the designers actually help each other, right? Um, Because some designers are just doing purely decorating because they have that kind of space. Some designers are actually building stuff because they're doing a kitchen, for example. Um, So like last year is is a perfect example. you know, the landscape designer was done pretty early. The landscape designer stepped in, helped with the countertops because he, you know, works with stone in the kitchen, helped with the installation. My construction guys, my company came and helped with cabinetry. So we all kind of pitch in, um, which is great because that also kind of, you know, does the camaraderie thing. But yeah, it's always, <laughs> but we always open on time. And so that's, you know, that's the key. It always works in the end. <laughs> And, and what do you do in terms of just for your own like self-care, mental health during this stress? Do you does stress roll off you easy? How do you deal with it? Um, I'm not really. I, I'm one of those people like my mother or, and I always having this fight 
because she will worry about stuff that hasn't happened. I'm the opposite. Like, I'm not go- like, you know, I do crisis management. That was a big part of my job in corporate America, which means that you plan for every single thing that could go wrong. And then you have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C to respond. And if you do your job well, you never have to use those, right? Because you're supposed to manage the crisis so it doesn't become a crisis. You have to implement those plans that you just created. But once you do that, there's that measure of just relaxation because you know it's covered. So I don't stress about things that haven't happened. I, I just kind of focus on what I'm doing. And if something happens and I'm like, okay, what is this situation? Okay, what was the plan for that? Does the plan still work? Okay, let's deal with it. You know, and, you know, crisis management was the last PR job I had, right? I, I did client PR, I did internal PR for the companies I worked for. And crisis management was the last set of PR because that's the specific part of PR that, you know, I'm advising, you know, writing copy for, for the CEOs, you know, doing Q and A's, you know, what journalists might be asking. This is what you say. It has to be reviewed by legal. You know what I mean? It's a whole very specific thing. Um, but the whole point, the majority of the work that I did never got implemented. And that was the goal, right? It's like the exact opposite of what you would think would be a success for work. But yeah, but it allows, it gives you the freedom to then just do the job because you know you have at least three plans in place, not just a plan, right? Which by the way, interior designers do all the time, right? Like I always have a plan A, B, C, D in interior design because stuff happens. Yeah. Well, especially now it's like, I can't get that. I can't get that. I can't get oh, now that. we're on plan Y. Are you kidding me? We used to have, we used to stop at D. Now we're, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm thinking I need to do that. I love that. I mean, for editorial, it's like, what if a story comes that doesn't come through? You know, I should just be gathering materials Mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if if you've been in the business long enough, you know where the fail safes are, right? So you know what to plan for. You know where the weaknesses are. So you actually can predict what's going to go wrong. And then the entire team knows it's then it's not like, oh my God, oh my God, what are we going to do? I got to tell you, corporate America, you know, people complain about corporate America. There's lots of bad things it does. But the process stuff, they've gotten down pat. And that's a big part of having accessible companies to have the crisis management piece in place. Is there anything that I that you're burning to, to, to talk about or? Um, well, you, know, you know what I would love? You know, I was a business consultant, which meant my job was to fix things. Right. We get called in by the World Bank or American Express with like some issue. And our job is to figure out what the problem was and fix it. One of the things that I would love to do is this idea of a land bank partnering with a show house, I think is a no-brainer. There are land banks all across the country and we have issues of housing all across the country, more so now than ever. And we have show houses all across the country who have tons of money, tons of, you know, who are bringing high profile to the areas they're in. And a lot of times the areas they're in don't need it. Um, I would love to, to, you know, have what we're doing here be some kind of a pilot that other cities can look at and try and see if there's a way to preserve the value that the show houses create for the short time that they're in existence in the cities that they're in, you know? And I don't know if that's like me, like, you know, bugging some journalists, you know, so that, so we can do a story about it or if there's like something, but I think that to me, there's a symbiotic relationship there, which is what made me think of it when I heard of the Kingston city land bank um, being organized. And I think that, it's value that's that, that's already there, right? That the, the show house already brings the value every time you know these show houses are done. So the question is, what happens to that value afterwards? Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't have to disappear. 
And so what I'm trying to do is to use the value that we, that we provide with the show house, have it impact the community in some way. And I think that if we, you know, and, and not that show houses have to do this. Like I said, I have an economic development background. I can't, I think value-based, that's just the way that I am. And I didn't do the show house as a promotional, you know, sort of project. Um, I did it specifically for economic development, right? Because the more we are connected, the more the dollars stay in the community. Um, but I think that we can continue to think of ways if we're going to come together and spend all this time and all this money and create all this value, why not find a place to put it? Thanks so much for listening to Said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.